0: Alright, so in person, what what are some of those promises you've heard that you're particularly moved by? Yep, I will never leave you or forsake you. What other ones? Cast your burdens on him, right? Oof. What else? <laughs> the older you get, the more in- eternity seems important. Am I allowed to laugh at that? I'm laughing at that. Right? <laughs> Nothing can separate us from his love. Yeah, that's, yeah. Nothing. I mean, we often don't believe that, right? But, but it's true. Good. Let's see if anyone online had uh, had some thoughts over here. Mel says that he will never leave me. Mary says I will always be with you. Uh, Rob says I will never leave you or forsake you. Mary says he did not leave us as orphans. Yeah, those are all you know, fantastic and good. But you know what? If I'm being honest with you, there are times in my life that I feel frustrated by some of those promises. Uh, all right they make booklets of like the promises of god uh, like little booklets uh, that you could buy and everything and some of them are like like questionable you're like mm, i don't know about that uh but sometimes you look through them and some of the ones you guys mentioned if if you mention those promises in the right context they frustrate me um they sometimes make me angry they sometimes seem far too good to be true and it's actually discouraging Right, if I'm feeling alone and I'm reading, "Oh, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never leave you or abandon you." I'm like, oh, "Well, I feel alone right now." Or Romans eight twenty eight, right? We we pull that one out a lot and and uh, and say that God works all things for the good of those who love Him, right? And meanwhile, when you're facing financial ruin, when the power goes out, when you have a newborn baby in your house—true story. <laughs> when, when you. Um, have that cancer diagnosis when a loved one dies? You know, a beloved grandparent or a spouse or a child? And we say, well, he works all things for the good of those who, are in, who, who love God and called according to his purpose. I don't know about you, but I know for me, there are times where I just feel angry about it. I, I feel discouraged because those promises seem too good to be true. So why should we focus on God's promise. Sometimes they are discouraging because they seem they are far too good to be true. That's kind of the context we find here. If you remember uh, three weeks ago when I was preaching through Exodus, uh, Moses had been called by God. Well, I'm in the wrong Testament. Moses had been called by God to go and with Aaron and tell Pharaoh to let Israel go into the desert so that they could go worship him. And they went And they didn't exactly follow the script God gave them. They didn't perform the miracles, but they went and they not only failed, they made things worse. They failed miserably. They went and they went to Pharaoh and... Pharaoh not only said no, he made the labor harder. He forced all the Israelites to now make bricks without straw. They had to go gather their own straw. And as we said three weeks ago, just remember back when we had to get toilet paper uh, two years ago almost to the day, and you couldn't find toilet paper anywhere. That's kind of their situation, except they would get beaten if they didn't find the straw and they didn't make the same quota of bricks. So things went from bad to worse. And that's the context that we find, chapter 6, verse 2. It says then God spoke to Moses, telling him, "I am Yahweh." And remember, every time we see Lord all in caps, the Lord uh, that uh, is a stand-in for Yahweh, the personal name of God. I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but I was not known to them by my name, Yahweh. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land they lived in as aliens. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves. And I have remembered my covenant. Okay, so this is all you know—same news. Like we've heard all of this before, right? Moses went with Aaron. He confronted Pharaoh. They failed miserably. Things got worse, right? And, and he's already revealed himself to Moses. This is all old news. Uh, why is he? Why is he telling this again? Why is he like restating over and over again what's happened? Um. What's interesting too here, you might have picked up. It says, "I am the Lord, or I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but I was not known to them by the name the Lord." Um, This that text or that translation. Uh, many modern scholars have adopted this, this wacky belief that, oh, the first five books of Moses, it was actually several books. It was like four traditions. And then a redactor or an editor came along millennia after the fact, and then they mushed all those books together into one. And uh, that's why we can see that here, because we see the name the Lord clearly in Genesis, and God reveals himself as Yahweh to Abraham. And now here he says, I've never done that before. Ah, well, okay. Two problems with that. It's, it's a misunderstanding of what this text said. He, G, uh, God doesn't say they didn't know this name at all. right? There's two options. One, you could say you could translate it in a different translation and say, uh, God was essentially saying, "Have I not been known by my name the Lord, as a question? Of course I was known. I think the second option's better. I think what he's saying is it's a difference between knowing someone and knowing someone. You know what I mean? Right? Like, they knew me as God Almighty, right? They saw me do these amazing things. They saw me uh, hit people down with, with illness and disease, and they saw my mighty hand against their enemies. They saw me as God Almighty. You, you will know me as Yahweh, the I am, the one who causes things to be the way they are. You're going to see my power like no one else has. It's kind of like um, parachuting. Are you guys familiar with parachuting? Anybody ever hear of this thing called parachuting before? How many of you guys know what parachuting is? I actually need to see hands. Who knows what parachuting is? Right. Yeah, every, does anyone not know what parachuting is? Right? Yeah, everybody knows about parachuting. How many of you have gone parachuting? Oh man, I really thought there would be one. Kevin, have you gone Parachuting? Okay, so, right. But that's, I think, what it is, right? We all know about parachuting. None of us have gone parachuting before, right? There's a difference between knowing about parachuting and actually going parachuting, isn't there? Otherwise, people wouldn't go parachuting for fun. Um, they just wouldn't. They're just like, I read about it, so that's the same thing, right? No, there's a difference between knowing about and actually doing. And I think that's what God's saying here. He's like, yeah, they knew my name Yahweh before, the one who causes things to be the way they are, but now you're going to experience that I am the one who causes things to be the way they are. I think that's what's going on here. So then he continues to share the promises that he's already given Moses several times before. This is like the third or fourth time he's told him these promises. Verse six, therefore tell the Israelites, remember the Israelites who are angry at him because now they have to do more work that's impossible. Therefore tell the Israelites, I am Yahweh and I will bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. You will know that I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am Yahweh. Moses told the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their broken spirit and hard labor. So he reiterates everything just as God told them to do. And they say, forget it. No, like, I can't. They don't listen to him because of their hard labor and their broken spirit. It's kind of like this. Um, we all know couples that have gotten divorced before, right? Um, And and not not because of like adultery, abuse, or abandonment issues. Just like it didn't work out, right? It just didn't like they couldn't, right? Like it just couldn't make it work out, and they get divorced. Um, Can you imagine if uh, one of your divorced friends you invited her over to your house, and you popped in a DVD of her wedding day right at the part part where they, they play the vows, right? How is she feeling right now? What is what is what's her reaction? Embarrassment. What else? Shame. What else? Guilty. What else? A broken, DVD A broken DVD player. Anger. Right? Like she's looking at this. Like you're listening to these vows. Oh, you promise to have and hold of richer for poor, or for better for worse, until death do you part. Right? And like, wow, what an amazing promise. And it didn't work out. We tried it and it didn't work. And now here you are throwing it back in my face, right? I think all of you, like shame and guilt and and frustration and anger, broken DVD player, broken relationship, anger, like everything. Absolute discouragement. I thought you were my friend. Why would you do this to me? right? I burned all my copies. You should burn yours too or throw them out or whatever. I think that's what the Israelites are feeling. I bet you that's what Moses is feeling too. We listened to you. It seemed like an amazing promise We tried it and we failed. And we not only failed, but it got worse. Why should we focus on God's promises? It's too good to be true. So, God being very reasonable when we're in positions like this. Verse 10, Then Yahweh spoke to Moses. Go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go from this land. But Moses said in Yahweh's presence, If the Israelites will not listen to me, then how will Pharaoh listen to me, since I am such a poor speaker? Right? He's complaining about that, right? We talked about him probably being a stutterer uh, weeks ago. And that keeps coming up. And Moses is making a good argument. Like, look, if I can't convince my own family, how am I going to go talk to the governor about something, right? <laughs> like, if I can't convince my, my own family, you think that the President of the United States is going to listen to me and change his mind? No, of course not. I can't even get my own people, your own people, who you want to save to listen and believe me, and you want me to go to talk to the most powerful person in the world, who, by the way, also thinks he's a god? That's how delusional he is? You think he's going to listen? You think he's going to do anything? I know exactly what Moses is feeling here I, I remember when i uh twenty years ago when I was in college <laughs> I, in my undergraduate work in my I was working on my associate's degree, and I needed to change my major and man, I went into State University of New York at Orange County, like with like such high, I'm going to change this campus for Jesus, right? Like I just, uh, right. And I had to change my major. So I had to go in and I had to talk to the department head and I had to get him to sign me a piece of paper. I've never met him. I've never been in that building before. I had to get him to sign a piece of paper. Is that a big deal? No, it's his job, right? Like he literally can't say no to me. He just has to sign a paper, right? Here I come in, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to change this campus for Jesus. And I, I procrastinated going into that building for like three months. Like every day I was like, oh, I gotta do this, I can't do this. It's so hard, it's so hard. I don't know this person, what, like, I, you know what I'm talking about? Like if you can go back and you're just like, Never, oh, so it was like the last day before you, the last day you could possibly change your major. And I remember sitting on a bench outside that building praying to God, give me the strength to go in there. <laughs> And so I go up and I'm like, hey, can I can I can I and he's like, Yeah, sure, all right, whatever. You know? And it's like, What? So scared. Moses is feeling the same thing. So Moses, he has he's got a good I'm a poor speaker, they didn't listen to me. I think that's a good argument. And like you guys know God, like he lets you off the hook, right? He goes, Yeah, okay, you know, you're good. Is that how God works in your life? Nope. It's not how He works in mine. Verse 13, Then Yahweh spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them commands concerning both the Israelites and Pharaoh king of Egypt to bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. (laughs) So so God basically says, I don't care. I don't care. Just do it. Just go and do it. Now, again, put yourself in Moses' position. Have you ever had a, a maybe a parent when you were younger or a boss who gave you a job that was utterly ridiculous and impossible, right? Like you absolutely couldn't do it. It was utterly impossible. I remember, again, going back like 20 years, years ago when I worked at the welding supply store, uh, once in a while I'd have to go out and make deliveries. And especially if they were smaller, they didn't want to send one of the real drivers out with the big truck, so they'd send me out with the, the station wagon. So I would go out in the station wagon and go to these really far-off places and make these deliveries. And this was, remember, before the times where we all had GPS in our pocket? This was before the time when... Um, you could like go on MapQuest and print things out, right? So I'd ask the boss or I'd ask one of the drivers, hey, where is this place? And th- both of them, they would always give me the same kind of answer. This is how they'd give directions. They're like, okay, go get on the highway and then go past the first toll booth. Get off the exit. Then as soon when you get off the exit, make a left, make a right, make another left, and then you're there. Oh, well, that sounds easy, right? Yeah, that's it. E-. They didn't mean the first left, the first right, and then the first left. <laughs> they just meant, a left, A right, another left somewhere, right? could be 10 miles down the road. So I would have to go and call on a payphone. Hey, I, I'm lost, where am I? And I would get reamed out every time because they couldn't give me directions. And they're like, I gave you perfect directions because they've been there a thousand times. I've never been there before. It was always impossible and I'd always get in trouble. I think that's what Moses felt like. I think that's what we feel like sometimes when God gives us these promises. Hey, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Yeah, but I feel lonely. Hey, hey, look, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called to his purpose. Yeah, okay, but I don't see how that happens. And how can you bring any good from from cancer? How can you bring any good from, from a dead relative and loved one? How can you bring any good from the decimation of my bank account? Why should we focus on God's promises? They're often very discouraging. So then, in the midst of all this, and Moses' frustration undoubtedly, uh, God, being who he is, says, I know how to comfort my child. (laughs) He gives him his genealogy. You guys are all comforted by genealogies, right? That's where you go to. Like when you're in your moment of need, you don't flip to the Psalms. No, you flip to genealogies. That's what warms your heart and fills your, fills your soul. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says, these are the heads of their family, father's families, the son of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. And he goes through for almost a whole chapter. The heads of the family, the individuals who are um, involved. In verse 20, we get the name of Moses and Aaron's Uh, parents, Amram, married his father's sister, uh, Jacobed, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. And then it goes on and on and on and on and on. And these are the heads of the Levite families by their clan. Verse 26, it was this Aaron and Moses whom the Lord told, bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt according to their military divisions. Moses and Aaron were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, in order to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. That's weird, because the story's not over yet. That he throws that in there right there. You know what I think he was, like, how how far back can you go in your family lineage? Like, like how, how far back can you, do you, you know who your parents are? Yeah. Grandparents. Yeah. Great-grandparents. Great-great-grandparents. Great-great-great-grandparents. What are their names? Yes. Wow! Anyone beat that? Anyone got great, 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 great grandparents? No, that's your great, 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 No cheating and jumping to the end. Right, like, oh my goodness, right? Like, But but do can you go back four? I mean, I know you have it on a spreadsheet, I'm sure. Not in my head. Right, not in your head, right? Like... And here, God is he's going back generations. And he, I, I think this is what he's doing here, right? Like some of you, you do have the family line lineage and you can do all that stuff. But in your head, right? I'm amazed that you did that. Um, I wish I had like a candy bar or something. Like, good job. That's <laughs> so good. But most of us, like past your great grandparents, ah, you know, it gets really fuzzy. Here, God is saying, look, Moses, I have a plan for you and I have a plan for all of your people. I have been setting this in motion. I knew you were going to have a speech impediment. I knew that things would be difficult. I knew that your first chance with with Pharaoh was going to just seem like it made things worse. I know everything. I'm in control. I have a plan. And I've been working on this plan since the very beginning. This isn't just, I didn't just like, oh, who am I going to use? Oh, that guy wandering around over there. I knew you before I laid the foundations of the earth. I've called you for this moment in this time to be obedient to me. But Moses is just like us, so in verse 28, on that day, Yahweh spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt. He said to him, I am Yahweh. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I am telling you. But Moses replied in the Lord's presence, since I am such a poor speaker, how will Pharaoh listen to me? The Lord answered Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother will be your prophet. You must say whatever I command you. Then Aaron your brother must declare it to Pharaoh so that he will let the Israelites go from his, his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. harden doesn't mean he's like, I'm going to make him evil. He said, I'm going to strengthen his resolve. Pharaoh does not want to let you go, and I'm going to give him exactly what he wants. I'm going to increase his willpower so that it won't break. That's what it means, harden your heart. Strengthen your resolve. He does not want to do this. I will strengthen his resolve. I'll give him exactly what he wants. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. He will let the Israelites go from his land. Um, Excuse me. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh will not listen to you, but I will put my hand into Egypt and bring the military divisions of my people, the Israelites, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment the egyptians will know that i am yahweh when i stretch out my hand against egypt and bring out the israelites from among them so again like this is another reiteration like how many times have we seen this scene how many times has god told him exactly what's going to happen and again this goes back to some modern scholars have said well look this was there was like four different traditions from moses or, or people who told this story. And so someone said, we should have this all in one book. And this redactor, this editor, went back and smushed it all together as best as we could. And a text like this is evidence of that because, because look, it's just repeating the story again and again, right? How many times has Moses complained, I can't talk, and God has had to say, I am God and I will be with you and it's going to be amazing and I'm powerful. How many times, right? They're like, oh, well, they had to smush it together and they're like, well, we got to keep this here too. So they just kind of smushed it together and this is an artifact left over. Okay, the problem with that is here. How many times do you have, how many times should you tell your family members that you love them? How many times? Yeah, every day, right? Like, ah, I'm not going to tell my wife I love her today. Like, I told her like five days ago. (laughs) Like, come on, right? (laughs) Like, oh man, should I tell my kids I love them today? Like, I told them once, that's good enough, I don't know if you love me. I told you three years ago. What, what more do you want from me? If I changed, I would have revised and said, hey, you know that time three years ago? I don't feel that anymore. <laughs> Is that what you do, right? No, you tell your kids and you, you tell your parents and you tell your mom and dad and you tell your, your, your wife or husband or whatever you've got in your life, you're, I love you. And you do it all the time, right? You just do. You reiterate that. Or, or parents. How often should, should parents comfort their kids? Over anything, like they get hurt, they get scared. Yeah, anyone have kids that get scared last night with the thunderstorms a little bit? Yeah, mine did. Did you guys hear it? Yeah, yeah. Right. How many times should you comfort your kid? Yeah, whenever they need it, right? You know, like, look, I've already talked to you about thunderstorms before. I told you the things about the angels and bowling. You didn't want to listen to that, and then I said, look, it's just a phenomenal thing, and our house is safe. You're fine, right? I told you that three months ago. We're good, you know. Why do I have to go over this again? Look, you had a nightmare five years ago. I'm not going to comfort you again. I've already told you it's just in your head. Go to sleep. <laughs> look, I've already comforted you about, about uh, you know, stubbing your toe and I, it goes over, away quick, so why are you coming to me again crying about your stubbed toe? No, that's a, that would be a monstrous parent. A good parent will comfort their child every single time that they need it and in the way that they need it, right? Like if they're overreacting, they're like, hey, you're overreacting, I'm still with you, but you're overreacting, please stop. <laughs> but time and time again, it doesn't matter how many nightmares they have, doesn't matter how many, how many injuries they have, you don't just do it once and be like, well, I did it five years ago, so we're good now. No, it's constant. I think that's what's happening here. And I think those modern scholars who who push this this theory, they they don't understand how stories work, which is what's going on here, and they don't understand human psyche that like we can't just God's just like, hey, I told you this once, and then we're like, all right, I'm cool. You know, I heard that one Bible verse 20 years ago. I guess I'm fine now. No, we need to hear it over and over and over constantly. That's why like, this whole text is almost a repeat. And Moses is like, really? I can't talk. But he doesn't say it like that. I, 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 I can't talk, right? <laughs> and God is like, I'm with you. I'm going to tell you exactly what I told you again, but I understand that you're feeling emotionally vulnerable right now. I'm going to tell you again, and then I'm going to tell you again, and then I'm going to tell you again. Because God is a good Father. Why should we focus on God's promises? So you'd think that maybe at this point, Moses would walk away. Maybe Moses would quit. But no, after God gives him the promise yet again, verse 6, so Moses and Aaron did this. They did just as Yahweh commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. So, by the way, Mary and I had a conversation about like Aaron being older, and I'm like, I don't know how much older he was. He was three when Moses was a baby, Mary. So, <laughs> from that conversation two months ago, um, they did just as God commanded them, right? And there's there's no hemming and haunt at this point. Finally, after God comforted them with His plan, after He comforted them again and reiterated everything, they went. He told them the promise. He told them the promise. He told them the promise. And then finally, they said, "Okay." Why should we focus on God's promises in our lives? We should focus on God's promises so that we can have confidence to obey God in the middle of of all kinds of hardships. So that we can confidently obey God in all hardships of life. That's why we need to hear the promises over and over again. That's why we need to have church over and over again. That's why we need to be in the Word over and over again. Because if you just hear it, it's like a parent saying one and done, like, hey, I love you. Like, Wait, what do you mean you're questioning my love for you? I told you I loved you 20 years ago. That should be good enough for now. No. We need to hear God's promises because we are just like Moses where we say, look, look, I can't talk. And God's like, okay, I'm with you. Look, look, I can't talk. Okay, I'm with you. Look, look, I can't talk. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. He is just like little children who constantly constantly need a hand on them to say, no, no, you're okay. We've got this. I'm going to teach you. I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. You can't just teach them their math once. You have to continually teach them. Otherwise, they forget. You guys know my house is 122 years old. It's old. The, the basement uh, part, part of the original part of the house um, for the wood beams that are holding up the whole house. Uh, they're not wood beams, they're just old trees. Right? There's just an entire tree. Uh, the, at, one at least has to be about 150 years old. So if you do your math, this, th- there's parts of my house that go back to the Declaration of Independence. That's how old this thing is. Right? At some point this thing was growing. It's, so it's an old house. It's also terrifying down there. Okay. I'll just be honest. It is terrifying. And it's got like all these moves and it's shadows and it's scary. And so pretty much, you know, we don't go down there unless I need to do work down there or whatever. Uh, But once in a while, my kids are like, hey, I want to go down the basement. I want to see what that's like. I'm like, okay, fine. Like, come on down. Be careful, right? Because, you know, you never know what's going to happen down there. So they come on down with me and they're like, cool, right? They're looking around and everything. And I remember one time, you know, they're looking around and I had work to do down there. So I just kind of went around a corner and then they freaked out. Dad, dad, where are you? Ah! Because it's scary down there. There are people from the Revolutionary War, you know, like oh. <laughs> they're terrified. They're screaming. I'm like, I'm right over here. Oh, okay. Whew. I thought you left me down here. Why would I leave you down here? They just need to hear my voice and go, "Okay, Dad's here." They just need to see me come over and say, "Okay, Dad's here." That's why we need to focus on God's promise over and over and over again. Let's just look at three. Let's just look at three today. These are some of my favorites, some of your, your favorites too. Go ahead and put up the first one here, Drayton. Over and over and over again, we need to hear uh, what was said in Hebrews, also said in Deuteronomy, I will never leave you or abandon you. Or what Jesus said, I'm with you until the end of time. I'm with you always. We need to hear this over and over again because there are times where you feel isolated, where you feel alone and, and, and it just feels like, no, I, I can't do anything. I can't, be, I can't be the person God's called me to be. I, I can't love my enemies. I can't pray for those who persecute me. I, I can't go and share the gospel because I feel so alone and isolated here. We need to hear this over and over again to know that God is always with us. You are never alone. You are never alone. You are never alone. Go put up this other one here, uh, Drayton. We need to hear, over and over and over again, Romans 8.28. Now look, oftentimes Christians use this as code word for shut up, I don't want to hear about it, okay? They really do. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, right? Oftentimes when someone is griefed, they've lost, in grief, they've lost a family member, uh, they're going through some medical emergency, people will throw this out as a band-aid saying, look, well, I don't understand why you're upset. Just shut up and deal with it. Uh, that's what they say, and that's a misuse of it. This is not a verse to say that you don't grieve. This is not a verse that says you aren't hurt. This isn't a verse that's saying you don't get depressed from time to time. This isn't a verse that says uh, you can't uh, feel horrible and be sad and cry. This is not what that verse is saying. What this verse is saying is that through the tears and through the hardships and through the difficulties, we have hope, even if it's a sliver of hope, that somehow beyond our imagination, God is going to work this for our good and for His glory. It is a sliver of hope, but we hold on to that. And we need to hear this over and over and over again because when your bank account is garbage, when you have bills that you can't pay, when you're abandoned by your family members, when you are mistreated, when you are betrayed, when you have a lost loved one, when you have a medical diagnosis you can't handle, we need to remember that somehow, beyond our imagination, God is working. And if you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this will work out. I don't know how, but it will. One more. I think we need to hear over and over and over again the words of Revelation where we're told that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief and crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. I think we need to have that hope that King Jesus is going to come back. That He Himself will wipe all the sorrow from our eyes. To know that when you are betrayed, when you are abandoned, when you are depressed, that one day King Jesus will come back and make everything right. That this misery of the world that we're living in, the the despot that we have to deal with, the despots that we have to deal with, The conflict in Ukraine, which certainly is not staying over there, is going to affect everything. The misery that we've all experienced with COVID and and the lockdown and and, and now war and and the isolation and the fractured relationships. If this is all that there is, oh my goodness, but it's not all that there is. There is a better tomorrow. King Jesus will come. He will make everything new. He will bring a new heaven. He will bring a new earth. The kingdom of God will be set up and there will no more be tears of sorrow. There won't be war. There won't be despots. Only something good, something brighter. The kingdom of God is coming and we need that hope. And again, sometimes it's just that glimmer of hope, but we need to hold on to that. As Paul says, we don't grieve as the rest of the world grieves. Yes, we grieve, but we have hope. And we have hope in Jesus. So focus on those promises of God. All the ones you guys mentioned. The ones I mentioned. Those promises that that God had to over and over give to Moses. Because it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. We are so miserable at times. We need to focus on those promises God has made us in His Word. So that we will be obedient in the face of hardship so that we will follow Him in those hardships no matter what. Stand on the promises of God. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for the promises You have given us. Thank You for reiterating those promises throughout Your Word over and over and over again. You've told us throughout Your Word to fear not. And you tell it to us because we have to hear it over and over again. I pray for us as a congregation. Help us to rise up. Help us to be a people who are dedicated to your word, to your truth, to your promises. And in our misery, hold on to them dearly change us and transform us help us to be people of your word so that we might be people of hope even in this dark and present world change us and mold us thank you that you promise to never leave us or forsake us thank you that we have hope that you work all things for our good and thank you that one day you will come back and wipe every tear of sorrow from our eyes it's in jesus name that we pray amen